Hey everybody, Sean Rosenstiel here. Today's video, we're gonna be talking about chapter 10, the power of the mastermind. And a couple years ago, I think maybe three years ago, as I was really trying to apply the principles of this book in my own life, I reached out to a few friends and asked if they would wanted to want to meet with me every two weeks for the purposes of really holding one another accountable towards our major goals and projects for the year. And I was very excited when they agreed to do it. And uh, we've been meeting ever since. And every two weeks, we're either meeting in person or right now we're meeting via Zoom, of course, with this pandemic going on. But it's so unbelievable how unbelievably helpful to have another set of eyes and a fresh perspective on what it is you're trying to do. In fact, at the beginning of this year, I had set this major goal in the mission or the work area uh, of my life. And I had identified a project that I was going to wait to work on until quarter four uh, of this year. And my accountability buddy said, hey, uh, you know, this is really something that you should do in quarter one. You know, this is really the tide that lifts all boats for you this year. And if you wait, if you delay this to the fourth quarter, you're missing out on a ton of opportunity. And uh, it was a blind spot that I had. And I was very appreciative that I had another set of eyes and another brain looking at it with me. So the power of the mastermind, I mean, this is such an awesome principle, like all these principles, really. But this one, in my life at least, is something that I can speak to from recent experience and especially when you can get together with more than one friend, uh, when you can get together in more of a community type of a setting where everybody is uh, of the same spirit, everybody is harmoniously participating with one another, and you're all after like a common objective. Uh, last year, I created a book club, uh, for example. I couldn't find a nonfiction book club in my local area, so I started one. And I invited about 10 of my closest friends. We all value learning, personal development, growth, psychology, spirituality. And it's just been such a really neat experience to meet once a month and talk about these books that we value so much and to hear each other's perspectives on all of these ideas. So I want you to think about in your own life, you know, what are the communities that you participate in? And can you take that in some way to another level as you read through chapter 10, The Power of the Mastermind? So let's cover some key ideas here. The first key point is power. I'm on page 153 now. Napoleon says that if power, excuse me, I'm at the top of the page. He says that plans are inert and useless without sufficient power to translate them into action. This chapter will describe the method by which an individual may attain and apply power. Power may be defined as organized and intelligently directed knowledge. Power, as the term is here used, refers to organized effort sufficient to enable an individual to transmute desire into its monetary equivalent. Organized effort is produced through the coordination of effort of two or more people who work toward a definite end in a spirit of harmony. So there's power there, right? He's trying to suggest that when you organize your efforts in the, in, in, in the spirit of harmony with other people, two or more people, there is a power that moves you, right? There is a power that is behind you in that capacity that's so important to understand here. And for many years, I failed to recognize that. I actually, I read about it, but I didn't apply it. And I had to really experience, experience it in my own life about three years ago 
to really buy into this idea that there is a power, an absolute power. It will propel your momentum in whatever direction you want it to be when you align this the right way. Second key point here is organized knowledge. I'm at the bottom of page uh, 153 here again. He says that if power is organized knowledge, let us examine the sources of knowledge. Infinite intelligence, this source of knowledge may be contacted through the procedure described in another chapter with the aid of creative imagination. Accumulated experience, the accumulated experience of man may be found in any well-equipped public library. An important part of this accumulated experience is taught in public schools and colleges where it has been classified and organized. Experiment and research in the field of science and in practically every other walk of life, men are gathering, classifying, and organizing new facts daily. This is the source to which one must turn when knowledge is not available through accumulated experience. Here too, the creative imagination must often be used. Knowledge may be acquired from any of the foregoing sources. Examination of these three major sources of knowledge will readily disclose the difficulty an individual would have if he depended upon his efforts alone in assembling knowledge and expressing it through definite plans in terms of action. If his plans are comprehensive and if they contemplate large proportions, he must generally induce others to cooperate with him before he can inject into them the necessary element of power. So Napoleon is suggesting here that there are three sources of organized knowledge, but that's simply not enough. If our plans are you know, proportionate enough, if we have big plans for our lives, we must absolutely tap into the knowledge of others to assist us in our journey, right? So third key point here is mastermind. This is where he really defines it. I'm on page 140, uh, 154. He says, the mastermind may be defined as coordination of knowledge and effort in a spirit of harmony between two or more people for the attainment of a definite purpose. Economic advantages may be created by any person who surrounds himself with the advice, counsel, and personal cooperation of a group of men who are willing to lend him wholehearted aid in a spirit of perfect harmony. This form of cooperative alliance has been the basis of nearly every great fortune. Listen to how important this is. This form of cooperative alliance has been the basis of nearly every great fortune. So if you're struggling, especially when it comes to your finances, if you're trying to reach a certain income or revenue goal for the quarter or for the year, and you're having difficulty doing that, just realize that every great fortune ever created on earth has been in alliance with the cooperation of others. I mean, that's incredible. So ask yourself, are you working in spirit and in harmony with others as you look to attain those financial goals? And if not, maybe it's time to grab a friend, <laughs> grab a family member, Grab a neighbor or join some community that can help you achieve that end. Fourth key point here is third mind. 
I'm on page 154 and we'll bleed into 155 here. No two minds ever come together without thereby creating a third invisible intangible force which may be likened to a third mind. When the minds of two people are coordinated in a spirit of harmony, the spiritual units of energy of each mind form an affinity which constitute the psychic phase of the mastermind. So I don't know about you, but there are certain friends in my life where we can get together and we can talk about things that we have a deep passion for for hours on end, right? And oftentimes I refer to this as brain sex. It kind of freaks my friends out a little bit. But we get into these modes where we get really deep in certain subject areas that really fascinate and interest us. And we're both trying to move forward and learn and grow in those areas. And we can talk for hours. And we come up with the craziest ideas at times, but really effective ones too. Like the fact that we come together and our minds are so synergized and so aligned that there's just these other resources, these unknown resources and information that we tap into. So that's what Napoleon's referring here when he says the third mind. Sometimes when we get together with like-minded people, one brain plus another brain equals three brains or more. Fifth key point here is infinite intelligence on page 157. Napoleon says, when two or more people coordinate in a spirit of harmony and work toward a definite objective, they place themselves in position through that alliance to absorb power directly from the great universal storehouse of infinite intelligence. This is the greatest of all sources of power. It is the source to which the genius turns. It is the source to which every great leader turns, whether he may be conscious of the fact or not. The other two major sources from which the knowledge necessary for the accumulation of power may be obtained are no more reliable than the five senses of man. The senses are not always reliable. Infinite intelligence does not err. And I believe that when Napoleon speaks of infinite intelligence in this book, he's talking about God or source or universal intelligence or the the one mind or you know whatever it is that you call it i think what he didn't want to do is use a phrase that might offend certain people so he called what what i would call as you know a higher power or source or god infinite intelligence so what he's suggesting is when two minds come together with a similar objective they're placing themselves in a good position to receive information from infinite intelligence. What a fascinating idea that is. Six key point here, stream. I'm on page 158. He says that when money comes in quantities known as the big money, it flows to the one who accumulates it as easily as water flows downhill. There exists a great unseen stream of power, which may be compared to a river, except that one side flows in one direction carrying all who get into that side of the stream onward and upward to wealth. And the other side flows in the opposite direction, carrying all who are unfortunate enough to, to get into it and not able to extricate themselves from it downward to misery and poverty. Every man who has accumulated a great fortune has recognized the existence of this stream of life. It consists of one's thinking process the positive emotions of thought form the side of the stream which carries one 
to fortune. The negative emotions form the side which carries one down to poverty. This carries a thought of stupendous importance to the person who is following this book with the object of obtaining, or excuse me, accumulating a great fortune. If you are in the side of the stream of power which leads to poverty, this may serve as an oar by which you may propel yourself over into the other side of the stream. It can serve you only through the application and use. Merely reading and passing judgment on it, either one way or another, will in no way benefit you. What a cool idea here. You know, it's back to our dominating thoughts. And he creates a metaphor and he relates it back to the stream of a river. You know, one side is leading down to poverty. The other side leads upward towards wealth. We have to choose sides, <laughs> right? And this can act as an oar to propel us to the other side. I think that's such a neat analogy, so to speak, to use. And this goes back to what I mentioned earlier in this video. Years ago, when I first read this chapter, and frankly, the whole book, I passed judgment on it. I, I wasn't open-minded enough to apply any of these principles in my own life. And then three years ago, I finally applied the principle of the mastermind, and I immediately saw the results. I mean, it literally benefits me every two weeks when I meet with my accountability buddies, and it benefits me every month when I meet with my book club. It's unbelievable the benefits this brings to my life. So it, what he's saying is it can, it can serve you only through application and use. So if you have these dominating thoughts, and these dominating thoughts are fear-based, and you're constantly thinking about poverty, and I can't afford it, and all these negative thoughts, you're going to find in your life what you focus on, and you'll feel those emotions too, don't you? So what he's suggesting here is hop onto the other side of the stream. Get over there. Propel yourself over to the other side of the stream into a more positive way of thinking, which can prepare, propel you towards wealth, okay? So I love this idea of the stream. I think it's a powerful metaphor. Last but not least, seventh point here is bold and ruthless. I'm on page 158 and 159. Poverty and riches often change places. Poverty may and generally does voluntarily take the place of riches. When riches take the place of poverty, the change is usually brought about through well-conceived and carefully executed plans. Poverty needs no plan. It needs no one to aid it because it is bold and ruthless. Riches are shy and timid. They have to be attracted. Anybody can wish for riches, and most people do. But only a few know that a definite plan plus a burning desire for wealth are the only dependable means of accumulating wealth. So that's pretty amazing. And I think many of us who have experienced poverty can with great confidence say how true this statement is. Poverty is bold and ruthless. It requires no plan. So if you're struggling financially, and again, because this video series is through the lens of, you know, think and grow anything you want in life, think and become anything you want, not just financially, but think of anywhere in life where you're struggling. You know, poverty, as it relates to health, maybe it's ill health. Poverty, as it relates to relationships, you know, maybe it's sour relationships. It, poverty, can, you can find it anywhere in your life, not just in your you know, net worth column, right? So when you think about it, do you have plans? 
right? You can wish for good health. You can wish for good wealth. You can wish for better relationships, right? You can wish for a better career, better business, whatever it is. But we got to stop wishing for these things. And we actually have to start identifying what that burning desire of ours is and create those practical and workable plans to achieve those desires. And then once we create those plans, as this principle suggests, we need to coordinate those plans with other people. Because by doing so, that will help us identify our blind spots. And that will help us also tap into, you know, what I would call the mainframe, right? We can tap into the mainframe, this infinite intelligence, as Napoleon refers to it as, to get better sources of information, to get better ideas, to help us move and advance toward the direction of our own dreams. So I hope you enjoyed uh, the key points that I found in chapter 10, Power of the Mastermind. If you did, be sure to like this video, share it with your friends, anyone who you think might you know, enjoy it as well, please share it with them and also subscribe so you don't miss out on any future videos in the series. In the next video, we're going to be talking about chapter 11, the mystery of sex transmutation. So I look forward to seeing you and serving you in the next video. Take care.